Welcome to Reframe Your Mindset for Success. With me today is John Bullock. John competed in Thai boxing for eight years, winning the British lightweight title in 1983 at the age of 19. John knows what it takes to compete at the highest level of sport. And he's also been a very successful businessman, selling a successful property business for a life-changing sum. And he also now sets up Pain Point Coach. So I'm really pleased and interested to see what John's got to say. Welcome to Reframe Your Mindset for Success. Today, I've got with me John Bullock. Hiya, John. Hiya, Paul. Thank you so much for inviting me onto your podcast. Well, it's great to, ha- great to have you. So, so how are things? What have you been up to this week? Well, uh, like everyone, it's also looking forward to the uh, everything beginning to open again. Hopefully people can socialise. I, I can be a bit of a, a social animal and I've, I've really missed that side to my life. So, yeah, I'm really, this week in particular, I, I'm looking forward to going out and having a drink somewhere, Paul. No, that's it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be great, isn't it? I'm, I'm looking forward. I haven't been out yet, um, but I'm looking forward to getting out in that first pint of Guinness. So, um, yeah, the fact that everything's opening back up and we can go and get some food and drink, it's going to be great, isn't it? Uh, it sounds all right to me. <laughs> so, so, John, um, what I'd like you to do to just initially is I always start with the podcast with your story, however you want to tell it. Um, so do, do, do you want to kick us off and, and let us know about you? Okay. Um, I suppose I, I, I best start from... Um, from the beginning, I suppose, Paul, and, and, and that would be for me, would be my training year. So I spent eight years climbing in and out of a kickboxing ring from 1979 to 1987. <clears throat> and um, during that period, I um, I won the British Lightweight title. That, that makes some people laugh now when they see the size of me now. And um, it basically, it was just that great experience. Experience was that. I got to meet lots of really fascinating people. It opened fantastic doors for me. Uh, I had to obviously uh, dedicate myself to my training. Uh, I used to train daily, particularly when there was a, a fight coming up. Uh, and we were training in Manchester and with uh, and, and Liverpool, the Liverpool Police, used to, uh, St. Anne Street, used to allow us to use uh, their police headquarters to train because it was just after the toxic riots. So for, for me, that would be an absolutely fantastic experience. Uh, and then towards the end of the 80s, I went back to education. I um, got myself a degree in uh, business and economics at Westminster University. Uh, ended up for a job with a local authority and um, didn't particularly like that. After the people I was meeting, I, I was meeting some absolutely fantastic people uh, and opportunities I created. I dare say they will come out uh, shortly within our conversation but to give you an example when when I was back in America and I was competing uh, I ended up working for Mr. Marriott of the Marriott Hotels and staying at, at, at his uh, residence which was in Bell Harbour Village oh. so I met some really fantastic people and um, and, and, and I learned a great um, uh, a great business lesson from Mr. Marriott he told me that uh, the hotels didn't really make us money 
he was telling me back in when you remember this, well, back in the 70s and 80s, yeah, uh, when you used to jump on a plane, you were always guaranteed a meal, you always got a f- food. And he realized his kitchens were only busy a few hours a day. And so, what he decided to do was make his kitchens busy 24 hours a day because all his hotels were next to airports. So, he was feeding the likes of American Airlines with all their food. And that's how he made his money. Wow. And what a great way of thinking. So it wasn't really the hotels, but I got to travel with him. He'd been to Liverpool loads of times. He was very keen on his racehorses. He'd been to Liverpool um, many, many times. Uh, Recognised my accent, uh, um, accent straight away. And uh, he'd seen me in performing my last fight. And so one thing led to the other. And I, I, was, um, I, I was asked to drive him. And uh, so, so that, was a, that was a great experience. Wow. But just moving back to... Um, after working in London, um, I didn't particularly settle within that job. Came back, trained as a, a teacher, passed, um, didn't like teaching, then trained uh, to be an accountant, passed, passed uh, my qualifications as an accountant, and the, the rest will most people be aware of because I ended up within the property industry for 25 years, selling my business two years ago, um, and, and uh, sort of resurrecting, if you like. I, I always trained, but I, I'd given up my, although I'd coached champions uh, nationally, nationally and internationally, um, I, I'd, uh, I wasn't actually training with clubs any, anymore. But I decided, because I was contacted by a company in the, in the Netherlands, and said to me, given my experience, i.e. with the sport, and they were using a, a program called experimental learning. Yeah. They said to me, why don't you come over, have a look at what we're doing, see what you think, and um, the rest is history, as they, as they say, Paul, because um, I, I looked at what they are doing, I absolutely loved it, which was learning by doing. And I understood that greatly, not just from, the, uh, from a sporting perspective, but also from the perspective of um, when I was in business, I, I guess I, you've been there and you've watched somebody maybe go through a piece of software that they want to sell you. And I, I'm always interested, not just in, uh, in watching screens, but how do you actually how, how do you actually use the system? I want to again and ask questions about the, the various bits of, of the platform that you're using to get the to, to sort of maximizes its potential and efficiency. And that means getting stuck in and hands on. And so I've always, I've learned more from doing than I, than I, I would say I have done by, from academically, from a book. And that's exactly why I'm here now with a Pain Point Coach. Brilliant, brilliant. So, so tell us a little bit more about Pain Point Coach then, John. Well, Pain Point Coach is, is essentially... Um, because I'm, I'm on your territory here, Paul, and I realise you're the expert in, in, in the field of mindset. And what I've tried to do is come from it, use my experience, but come from it in, in a, a different perspective. From the perspective of the body instructing the, the mind. Um, what I mean by that is um, <clears throat> if you, you look back when you were, le- when you were learning to walk, and uh, first of all, you're stumbling, you're falling, you're trying to maintain your balance. 
But during this process where you keep getting back up and you're walking from one step, maybe two, three, four, and suddenly you walk on a straight line before you're able to turn. But all the time you're constantly improving. And that's because you're not reading, it's not because you're reading the book. What it is, is your ankles, your knees, your hips, every part of your body is sending a message back to your mind with regards to improving your performance. So pain point coach, comes from that perspective. What it is, it's about reprogramming your mindset so we can maximize your performance in any given situation. Wow, that, that's that's brilliant, John. Brilliant. So as as you know, the, the, the podcast then is all about mindsets and you know you've had a fascinating career. Um, and it's obviously led you back to you know you you champion kickboxer and now you apply some of that to what you do in your business now. Um, why, why is mindset so important in what you do? Whew. <laughs> uh, big question, a powerful question, Paul. So thank you for that. Why is mindset so important? <clears throat> well, I, I, I'm gonna put something in context for you. And I, if you can imagine uh, training for a fight, not necessarily knowing the guy, but perhaps seeing him in a few videos, perhaps seeing seen him in a few fights before. <clears throat> and then on your, you're training to compete against this person that you know is good, that's capable. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to get him, uh, you're trying to maximise on what you can do very skillfully and talentfully against something that you hope that he will not be able to defend against. And, and therefore, uh, <clears throat> you, you have to uh, train because practice makes permanent, obviously. So you've got, this, you've got to make this mental uh, commitment to yourself and force the body to go through this learning experience. And when you think about then the travel from the change room in your robes and then climbing into that ring mm -hmm. and what must go through your mind in between Put, getting bandaged up on your hands, stepping into the ring, and, uh, and then for the referee to start giving you, you know, that preamble before you actually start to compete with one another. Your mindset, how do you prepare your mind? Well, for me, the preparation of the mind was done through my performance. I knew the hard work was done in my training, and my strength on my mindset come from that preparation. And that's the whole concept of pain point coach. Good preparation, prepping your, you up for what you do on a daily basis. And that, that it's about you to use your frame, reframing your mindset, reprogramming the subconscious mind so you can respond in the heat of the moment. And if you like, be the calm of the storm because you're so practiced in doing it. So what gives a person that ability to be able to perform? because they because they practice so hard brilliant brilliant sam that makes complete sense and and obviously resonates with me so so you know when, when you think about it then if you were to describe your mindset you know once you've, you've put all of that practice in how would you describe your mindset say going into the ring or on a day-to-day -day basis that makes you successful <clears throat> well <clears throat> i've um I look back at that person that stepped in that ring, and if I'm to be perfectly honest, when I look back at him now, 
uh, I don't always recognize that person, you know. And uh, so <clears throat> there's that side of it. There's that side of it for me now as I look back. But at that moment in time, I, I would have to say that what I was fed on was uh, desire and hung hunger and passion for what I wanted to achieve. Yeah. And um, I, I think there's a there's a lot to be said to that. We are, we all have something within inside us that we feel like we have the capacity to deliver. And sometimes we, we, we deny it to ourselves for whatever reason. We ignore it, we quieten it down. But for some of us, we will, uh, we will listen and we, we will recognize something within us and we will want to challenge ourselves. <clears throat> for, for my, for my, uh, my belief came from uh, the likes of <clears throat> every time I'd compete, I'd compete in London. Because uh, it was at the time when you'd get all these people, for, for you to get a lot of film stars and things like that there. And the, the, the guys that used to also turn up, what, do, you, do you remember the uh, madness, the pop group madness? Yeah, yeah, baggy trousers. <laughs> baggy trousers and all that. And uh, Suggs. Yeah. Well, Suggs used to train with a guy called Dave Lee based in London. And Dave Lee used to have a lot of uh, girls from East End, there's page three girls that used to train at his club. So when we used to compete, <clears throat> they would all be there. And every time I'd finish uh, a fight, Suggs used to always invite me into his uh, private arena. Uh, and he'd always insist on buying me a drink, you know. <laughs> and uh, I, when something like that happens to you, I mean, at the time I look back, I, I would have been 18, 17, 18. Because I, I won the British title very young, at 19 years of age. And I, I remember at that time thinking, oh, what does this guy want to know? He, he was on top of the pops. Um, you, you know, and, and there he was, sort of talking to me. I, I, what I felt was it was an average Joe from Liverpool. And, and uh, so I couldn't quite get it. But one <laughs> thing I did realise is that he appreciated. He appreciated what we brought every time. I mean, it wasn't just me. There were other lads, girls that were involved within the club. That were, he just recognised the quality that we brought back. So when I look back now, now, I think it was a case of we set very high standards and we didn't want those high standards to slip because we were getting recognition from a lot, from a, a, a lot of people around us. Brilliant, brilliant. So, so on, on the basis of that, and obviously, you know, if you were performing to such a high standard... Were there any, um, I don't know, rituals or practical tips that you, you could share with us that, that helps you enhance your mindset? That is a great question. It's, in fact, it's a fantastic question. How do you enhance your mindset? Well, for, for me, and if I was coaching people, I'm just, because everything in our subconscious mind is, uh, relies on routines, of being able to perform within the routine. If you become so practiced in something, you can tell by the way someone's moving what they're going to do next. It's almost like a game of chess. You can just tell by the way they turn the, uh, turn the body, drop the shoulder. You know what's going to come and you can read that at thousands of a second. So what that gives you the ability is to look at your opponent and have a response even before they've thrown something. And once you get to that level, 
when you're not having to consciously think, but your subconscious routines are just thrown in, you, you know you've really hit a good level at, 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 at that point. And um, for me, I, I realised at that stage that, that, that I'd sort of got there. I'd seen people do a lot better. I'm not, by no stretch of the imagination, I was, I'm saying I, I'm, I'm the best. Uh, but what I would say is this, because I, I've trained with some uh, world champions, some fantastic people. I look at, I look back now and say, I'd probably say that I've got a really good county level library, but I was training with people that had a national library that were world champions. And what they did for me was that they gave me the confidence and they also gave me that belief in myself with regards to um, how to put it together and, and, and how to build confidence in the individual to get them to throw techniques, to have, to, to have that confidence to throw it and also recognize the movements so you could respond even before your pain your opponent can throw. And if you can imagine those calculations that are going on in somebody's mind to be able to get there, that's all about getting the practice right in the training room. And for me, that's, that, that's, that analogy could be used for in everything you do in your life, Paul. Whether you're leading a business, whether you're going into the boardroom, whether you're leading the team on a new project, if you can lead them and build confidence in your team, if you can lead them so they can respond without thinking about it, and if you can lead them so that they can uh, look at the next moves that are gonna come down and know how to respond respond to those things, maybe in the boardroom that are gonna throw at someone's gonna try and throw a care ball at them, but they're so practiced at what they do that they've got the answers fantastic that that's just that's just brilliant it's brilliant advice and and i know john you, you talk about flow quite a lot and you know we've, we've talked about it previously and that's a you know, big part of what it is that you do now you know could, could you talk us through what flow is and what that means to you well flow is um goes back to an experience that you as an individual can feel from doing something exceptionally well and on which you are talented in. One, the, the real experience of it, of flow, is feeling joy and fun in the talents that you possess. And the fun and the joy come from the intrinsic reward you experience from performance, from doing something that you do well. So you're not doing it necessarily for other people to applaud what you do. What you're doing it for is that you just feel good from being able to deliver what you do well and then seeking to improve it continually all the time. <clears throat> and again, I, it's, it's just my age point. I'm going to go back to the 1980s. Do you, do you remember a TV program called The A-Team? Oh, yes, I remember yeah, Barakas. Yeah, so you, you, you can recall that. Yeah, great. Well, do you remember Hannibal? Do you recall what his favourite saying was, Hannibal? Oh, go on. You got me. Well, well, he used to say, I love it when a plan comes together. Comes together, that's it, yeah. I love it when a plan comes together. 
And that's the intrinsic reward. So if you're a team leader and you've been working on something, you've been training, performing, and you've been working on something so hard, developing your skin and talents, what you end up doing for us is constantly getting improvements and you get a reward. It's an intrinsic reward, a sense of fun and joy, control over your life of being able to do something that you find, well, actually, I've mastered this skill level and I've mastered it because of the performance, taking something from the training arena arena, and bringing it to the performance arena. But I've put that much effort into it that my plan has finally come together and there's the reward for, for, for my efforts. So <clears throat> I, 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 for flow for me is getting you to conceptualize and feel that feeling, that feeling of joy. <clears throat> what, what I've done is, um, I mean, as I said to you earlier, I, I, at this moment in time, I'm sort of probably two thirds of the way writing through, uh, writing my first book. And um, what, I, what I've done is looked at uh, uh, David Cobb's uh, experimental learning and his learning cycle, which I think is great for learning by doing. And then I've used that, and I've also used Mihai Chicks and Mihai's flow model. So the David Cold tells you how to learn. Mihai Chicks and Mihai, what he gives you is obviously the experience you get from the flow state. Yeah. What yeah. my book does is connects these two things together. It gets you to use the learning experience. And what I do is I provide a method for you that reawakens the subconscious mind. Because you will know, Paul, through your expertise, that the subconscious, subconscious mind forms very early on. And uh, it stops growing if we allow it to. So what my program seeks to do is to re-engage the subconscious mind. So you teach the subconscious mind how to learn routines again, but routines which you are constantly seeking to improve. So they're not becoming stale because what we're training you to do is to constantly improve the routine through your performance, through your practice, from the practice arena to the performance arena. Fantastic. And do you know what? The, the book sounds like it's, it's going to be brilliant. So I, I'll look forward to it. Now, on the basis of, of everything you, you, you know, you've, you've explained and the career that you've had, it, who, who's helped you with your mindset over the years? Has, has there been any particular person or experience or book that, you know, you go, that, that was the one for me? Well, again, great question. And I've got, I, I referred to like earlier with, um, all the lads uh, I, I train with, uh, because having all those people around you who are equally um, equally committed to the task as, as, as you, but probably advanced beyond you. Because so for instance, we trained a lot with Ronnie Green, who was five times world champion based in Manchester. My brother, who was, who was wholly committed, he heads kickboxing in Australia now. And uh, lots of great people, lots of champions. And so all those people gave to me and I learned so much from them. But there is one man in particular, and it's only later in, in my later life, I suddenly realized now that this man wasn't just teaching us Thai boxing. What he was doing was teaching us a way of life. 
and his name is Grand Master Toddy. You'll find him on, on most websites, based in Bangkok. And uh, <clears throat> well, he's had schools in Manchester, uh, America, Australia. He's known world internationally. And um, <clears throat> he also appeared in a James Bond film, which was uh, Go Live and Let Die. I think it was like 1973. Yeah. Or maybe 74, so, so, something like that. So he's he's the guy that uh, bows to Roger Moore. Roger Moore gives him, kicks him to the head, you know. But um, he's a great personality. And he's still there now. And his positivity and his um, his approach to life is, is really interesting. I, I, I'm not a, a, a religious person man but I, I am a spiritual man and I don't know uh, if uh, if it's so much to do with the because you get a lot in Thailand you get a lot of Buddhist monks uh, and uh, with regards to uh, their teaching so when you're often when you train over there you're obviously in the company of monks and uh, you know great wisdom from these people absolutely and just just the um, the sense of joy uh, acceptance, non-judgmental, uh, and uh, transparency within their lives and the way the, the way they want to share their information. So I've had a, a for me that's been a, 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 a fantastic influence on my life. Well, he, he, he sounds he sounds fantastic. I guess there's so much to learn from him as well. Mm. So so. If I go and an attempted to to end the podcast around a couple of things, and the the first one is, you know, for all of your adventures and everything that you've achieved, that there must have been one or two funny moments, and I'm just wondering if, if there's any particular standout funny story that that comes to mind, and I'm putting you on the spot, um, that, that you'd share with us. Okay, um, <clears throat> I suppose the one that immediately comes to to, to mind would be um, the, the, my last fight in, in, in America. And um, <clears throat> in America at that moment of time, they were doing kickboxing, but they weren't doing Thai boxing. And I, I train in Thai. And, and, and the difference is that you can leg kick. Um, and leg kicks can be uh, ex extremely powerful. And um, I had this, uh, I had been training for this fight that was getting put on this, uh, this big hotel in the centre of Miami, and um, I've been training for a couple of months. And on the night, the guy couldn't fight because he he'd, uh, injured himself in training, and the fight was getting called off. And I don't know if you can appreciate Paul if you've trained for something for oh, two God. or three months, and yeah, yeah. and then all of a sudden it's been taken away. And from my perspective back then, I mean, I know you get a lot more of it now, but there's. There's no real social, well, there was no social media at all back in 1987. And uh, MTV might have just been started around then. And, uh, but we had HBO TV. And it, it, was a, it was a real opportunity for me. And that, that opportunity was sort of taken away from me, you know. Oh, and I, I, was, I, was, I was absolutely crushed and gutted. Anyway, they said, uh, they said, uh, they had this guy who was willing to do a demonstration belt with me. And I was a lightweight. So to give you an idea of a lightweight, I was just under 64 kilos, which is about 10, 2, 10, 3. Yeah. And, uh, and this guy was a heavyweight. 
And I always remember looking at the size of him, like, and I was thinking, <laughs> oh my God. He's, he's, he's going to take my he's going to take my head off being this guy, like, you know. And uh, looking, I said, well, does he understand it? Yeah, 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 it'll be fine. He knows it. Just going to touch one another, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, so I thought, well, HBO TV is there. Got the better of me. I want to give it a go. And anyway, so when this guy came out, he started jabbing really hard, really coming for. I can tell the guy, he was going to take my head off. There was no doubt about it. This guy was going to knock my head off. And uh, I could seriously got hair because he was he was just so he must have been about 85 kilos. Oh so, my god. To, 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 to mine about 64, like no. Anyway, uh, you know, I was talking to you before about seeing something before it actually happens and being able to respond. But I knew and I, and something just clicked automatically. I just thought to myself, I'm gonna leg kick this. And I really it was one it was one thing that I was really had a very effective leg kick. Very effective, and I really caught this guy around the thigh, and I could see his leg turning. I could see him squirm in the face, and in a thousandth of a second, I thought, well, "Should have come off him." And I thought to myself, "Well, if I come off him straight away, he's just going to regather himself, and he's going to he's going to knock himself out." I mean, like you know, yeah. so with thousands of a second, I just hit him right in the same place again, like hit the bang, and it just went down. And as he was going down, I spun. I caught him with a spinning kick and head. They just went down. And all I remember, all the cameras turning to me. And I went, how did that little army guy do it to me? <laughs> and, and, so, and I remember sort of getting that, that effect. Like, um, so that was one. It could have turned out really wrong, you know. And, <laughs> but it just turned out right. And I was really lucky. And that's how I got my break with Mr. Marius. Oh, go away. Wow, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, because it was in the Marriott Hotel in the centre of Miami, and he was there. Oh, I didn't fantastic. know at the time. Like, so I was, I was asked to go meet him later. You know? oh, I, 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 I had, he gave me a great experience. And to give you an idea, next door neighbour were the Bee Gees on Bell Harbour Village. And uh, it's not that it's not that you don't go up in your car and in your limousine. It's a place where yachts pull up. You're on the outside. Yeah. Absolutely unbelievable the way the, the, the way these guys were living. You know, it was for me. It was great. You know, somebody coming from Liverpool, going over and, and, and seeing that. You know, and and living that experience and going to see racehorses with them um, on the all, all up and down the east side of, of America and staying in really good hotels and hotels. What a, what what really an experience! Yeah, yeah, great and what, and, hey, and, and what what a great story as well. Brilliant, thank you. Thank you. So, 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 John, just just to finish off then and round up, if you were to give uh, us or the listeners really a last piece of advice, what would it be? I I would say in anything in life, find out what you enjoy, find out what you uh, have fun doing, but then be prepared to work on it. And there's going to be times like we all do when we are. You know, and we all feel like giving up. Oh, I just can't be bothered. But you know, have a reason to get up. Feel passionate about it. I, I make this joke. I always tell everybody I've got a Bob. And what Bob does for me, I'm not lazy nights when I even now and I don't feel like training. Bob gets on the phone to me and says, Come on, we're going to train. You need a Bob, someone that's going to really pull you down. But once you've found what you want to enjoy, that you would really like, 
see to the task by looking for constant improvement in what you do. And that may be just, for me, it may be just changing my balance. It, it may be stretching more. It may be turning in a certain way. We just seek to improve what you do constantly, day in and day out. And that way you will seek mastery in what you do. Brilliant. You know, fantastic advice, John. Brilliant. So um, I'm, I'm going to end there. And that has been wonderful. I've really enjoyed it. So thanks very much for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much, Paul. I much appreciate the fact that you took your time out to invite me. Thank you so much. So it's been brilliant having John on today's podcast. You know, when you think about it, John and his aspiration to be, you know, British champion, it speaks for itself. And that's what he became. The self-belief that he could beat anybody, the drive and motivation. You know, the fact that he trained with the best and learned from the best and is humble and that, you know, he appreciated that there were others that were better than him that he could learn from. And that emotional intelligence to surround himself with the right people. The resilience times when he needed to dig deep to be his best, but also that he recognized that when he was in flow and that learning agility to try new things, to do new things, to continue to learn, that just to me came out speaking to John. And, you know, when we talk about flow, you know, flow is, it's when you're, lost in the moment, literally in flow with what you're doing. And that is in itself such a wonderful feeling when you get there. It's like being in a bubble. When your mindset comes together, all of your preparation, and you're fully immersed in the moment. And whether that's playing sports, you know, doing something in business, or just in general life, it's appreciating those moments. So... And once again, brilliant having John on today. I hope you've enjoyed it and I look forward to the next episode.
till you hear the grasshopper, which is at your feet. Old man, how is it that you hear these things? Young man, how is it that you do not? 